Will you please join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for the promise of Christmas and for the way that it works in our lives, guiding us toward your heart for us, that you have come to be with us in a new way. Lord, speak that promise into our lives and send it out to share it with others so that more and more may people may be drawn into your heart to walk with you in worship, in praise, and in living lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Epiphany, everyone. Uh, you don't hear that as often this time of year as Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. Uh, but yesterday was the 12th day of Christmas, and so today is the day of Epiphany. That's the season of the church year that focuses on the revealing of Christ. We heard the story of uh, Jesus being revealed to the Magi, to these uh, wise men that came from uh, afar, uh, that Jesus was being made known to the Gentiles. And during this season, we'll hear stories like Jesus' baptism, how the heavens were open and God spoke his word uh, and his promise that you are my beloved son. And we'll hear the story of his transfiguration, where again, God speaks out of a brilliant cloud saying, this is my son, listen to him. In the story of the wise men today, we heard about how they came to the Christ child. They journeyed from so far away to bring their gifts, but also to bow down in worship. Uh, the, the actual Greek word for worship is proskeneo, which literally means to bend the knee, to bow down. That's why uh, some, people, some churches will actually have like kneeling rails uh, so that you can bow down before God uh, for prayer and for worship. Uh, and when we, uh, the, and, and so in English, the word worship comes from uh, worth-ship. Uh, what we give our, what we give the most worth in our lives to. What do we claim as being worthy of honor and praise? Think about that in your own life. What in your life do you give the greatest worth to? Who or what do you honor, seek after with all of your heart and build your life around? Every one of us worships something, the one true God or something else. For a lot of people, it's power, position, possessions, another person, or ourselves. Our culture is so focused on putting ourselves first and thinking about our needs that we tend to build our lives around that. But God alone is to have the primary place in our lives. Now, of course, if you spell God backwards, you end up with dog. dog. Exactly. Uh, I recently uh, came across a, a book called Cat and Dog Theology. We have a cat and a dog, so we know these differences quite well. 
Um, it, it, the book is a little tongue-in-cheek. It uh, points out all these differences between dogs and cats. You know, essentially a dog will say, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. Cats, on the, other, on the other hand, say, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, I must be God. <laughs> you maybe you've heard it said that, you know, dogs have masters, cats have staff. <laughs> and those, in the book, they point out that those differences actually are reflected in our own lives, in our relations, in how, the ways that we approach our relationship with God. Uh, people who live kind of like cats focus on themselves, their lives, their wants, their needs. They only think in terms of what God can do for them and how they can get God to obey them rather than the other way around. People who live like dogs focus on their master, what their master wants, how they can serve and please and be with their master at all times. The authors point out that they're not saying, okay, don't be like a cat, be like a, go- a-, a dog. Uh, think only about God, not about yourself. That's not what they're saying. They're, they're simply trying to provide a healthy corrective to our me-focused society that teaches to put ourselves first. God does love and f- love us and feed us and shelter us. He provides everything that we need out of fatherly and divine goodness and grace. What we need to realize is that worship and life itself is not ultimately about us and what we like. It's about God, who is worthy of all our, all our honor and thanks and praise. As Christians, we gather for worship to hear the story of what God is doing in the world and to respond with praise and thanks, song and prayer, confession and forgiveness. When we gather, we hear and experience God's words and promises through reading scripture, through hearing it proclaimed and explained and by studying it together. We receive Christ and the Holy Spirit in tangible ways through baptism and the Lord's Supper. And then we go and participate in God's mission. Our worship spills over into the rest of our lives. It's not just what we do on Sunday mornings. Worship is not a spectator sport. Our worship should help us live out our mission to build strong relationships in Christ and make him known to all. Worship should equip us for service and involve every part of our life. For 2019, our deacons have prayerfully discerned a a one word for our congregation, as I talked about in my newsletter article this month. Uh, And the word is walk. Uh, We see that all the way through Scripture, how God walks with his people and how we are called to walk in step with the Spirit. So how is God calling us to walk alongside him and what he is doing this year? We're asking in in this sermon series, what does it look like to walk with God in worship? Not just on Sunday mornings, but in every moment of every day. 
There are a lot of uh, misunderstandings in our culture about worship. Uh, one of them is that worship is just something that you do on Sunday mornings in a church building, uh, that you have to you know, come to a space like this in order to worship. Uh, or that worship is, you know, for, for some folks, worship is singing praise songs with a full band. Uh, others, worship is about singing hymns with an organ. Um, some churches emphasize that worship is, involves a, a formal liturgy with responsive readings. The Lord be with you. Uh, yeah, you remember. Let us give thanks to the Lord. It is right to give him thanks and praise. For some folks, worship involves raising your hands and closing your eyes during a praise song, you know, or yelling, Amen, when the preacher makes a good, uh, makes a good point. For some, for some people, their background, worship means having communion at every worship service. Uh, others, you know, worship, well, that's about listening to, uh, you know, passively listening to a 10-minute sermon or a 45-minute sermon. How would you like to be there? <laughs> we, bring, we bring our backgrounds and our experiences to worship, but worship is ultimately not just a matter of personal preference. Having just one idealized form of worship might not include the variety of people who gather for worship. In the Lutheran tradition, worship is not just one size fits all. Uh, the, the Augsburg Confession, one of our founding documents as, uh, as Lutherans, uh, says that the, the true unity of the church is found in Jesus Christ. And so it is enough to agree concerning the doctrine of the gospel, what the good news is all about, and the administration of the sacraments. You have God's word, you have baptism, you have the Lord's Supper. We're good to go. Uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ with everyone that holds those things in common. And so, the Augsburg Confession goes on, it says, Therefore, it's not necessary that human traditions, rites or ceremonies or worship styles instituted by people should be everywhere alike. Worship, and in fact, Worship doesn't look the same in all places. It varies from congregation to congregation, even within the same denomination. Uh, there is enormous diversity in the worship practices of Christian congregations here in the United States and around the world. I've had the opportunity to worship in Catholic churches, in Baptist churches, in Episcopal congregations, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, uh, and even a Russian Orthodox church. Uh, and I've just been astonished by the wide variety of ways that people worship God. So how can our worship here at Emmanuel Lutheran in Story City be an authentic expression of our specific community's relationship with and praise to God. Well, let's have a look at Scripture and see, and see what it tells us about that. Um, I invite you, if you've got your pew Bibles in front of you or if you've got your own Bibles from home, open them up. Uh, if you're looking at your pew Bible, take it out and look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. 
Uh, in your pew Bibles, it's page 1763, it should be. So Paul says here, in view of God's mercy, as a response to all the good things that God has done for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, he says that worship is, first and foremost, a life that honors God. Um, and then worship is also a witness, a, a living sacrifice that, that radiates the joy and love of God. In another one of his letters, Paul says that we are the aroma of Christ. You know, when, when somebody has put on way too much perfume and they walk into a room, you can immediately tell that they're there. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, and Paul is saying that we, that's what we are to be like as Christians, that when we walk in, into a room, people should notice, not because of who we are and how great, how, how much we have things figured out, but because they see Jesus alive in us. That's what it means to live a life of worship. Uh, to, to, you know, uh, a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Worship is an overflow of what God is doing in every part of our lives, transforming us, living in us, spreading good news no matter where we are. Yesterday, uh, Travis and I got to go to the Iowa State basket, men's basketball game. Uh, it was the first one that uh, tr uh, college basketball game Travis had ever been to, and what a game! And I get an amen! <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know, if you haven't ever been to one of those, it's, it is a spectacle. Uh, right before they introduce the starting lineup, they dim all the lights in the whole place, and everybody gets out their cell phones, and everybody who has the Cyclone app, uh, it synchronizes all the, all the flashes from their phones, and, and just as the music is pumping and the siren is wailing, they get out these huge banners and these huge flags, and then the game was incredible. There was such great energy. Everybody was just sitting there watching intently, cheering on the team, and you know, occasionally groaning or complaining, but mostly cheering because they absolutely stomped on Kansas. Kansas. Uh, right behind us, we were sitting, there, there were two guys behind us. I think, you know, if you've ever watched The Muppets, um, where the, there's those two old guys that sit in the, in, in the thing over there and they give this constant running commentary with snarky comments. I think those guys were behind us. <laughs> but, um, and their language is a little colorful sometimes too. Uh, but have you ever noticed that going to a basketball arena or a football stadium is almost like going to church? Uh, it, I'm not saying that cheering on a team is the same thing as worshiping God, but there are some interesting parallels. You know, there's this crowd of people of all different ages gathered in a special space for a carefully rehearsed ritual by people wearing particular clothes. Um, there's lots of standing up and sitting down. Uh, there's announcements, there's presentations, there's music and banners and video clips and call and response chants. You know, cyclone, 
power, cyclone power. There's, uh, and of course, there's food. Uh, and it all serves to build a sense of anticipation and participation. Uh, the people express emotions ranging from joy to sorrow, from frustration to exultation. And they're part of this united team, tribe, family that walks with each other through the highs and the lows. Wouldn't it be great if we could go and, and actually have worship at Hilton Coliseum packed with people, uh, you know, and had cheerleaders and a pep band and, you know, launch t-shirts into the pews and, you know, take selfies at communion. And <laughs> on the other hand, I'm not sure I'd want my face on the jumbotron. I don't want to see my face that's that close up. And, you know, I'd be afraid that if we had guest preachers that people would be yelling and waving big cutout heads to distract them in the middle of their sermon. <laughs> but, and what would, even, what would our church mascot be? Not sure. Uh, but looking across Hilton Coliseum, Travis and I could see this united cyclone nation. What if Christians, what if as Christians we showed the same sort of devotion uh, and commitment that all those people were showing there. As followers of Christ, we are called not just to be fans who sit there and cheer from the stands, but to play on the team ourselves. Every single one of us is called and gifted by God for service in His kingdom. Everybody gets to play. Worship, in a way, is, is like the halftime huddle in the locker room. You know? Everybody gathers together, you get bandaged up, you get cleaned up, you get rehydrated, and get a chance to just rest and breathe. And you get to hear a word from the head coach. You get direction and encouragement and uh, a, a chance to get things put back together inside yourself, in your heart. And then you get encouraged to go back out there, uh, to be equipped and to um, be able to you know, get fired up and play with all your heart. Because no matter what happens, we're in it together. When Paul describes worship in Ephesians, uh, he says, a lot of very similar sorts of things. So flip in your Bibles over to uh, 1822 and 23. Ephesians 5. Paul is saying, Be imitators of God, dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then continuing in verse 15, Paul says, you know, worship is to affect the rest of your life. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. You have been given a new day. You woke up this side of the sod, <laughs> and God has given us a new year to live for his glory. Paul says, um, don't be foolish. Understand what the, the will of 
the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Walk in the way of love. We are to follow Christ's example in everything that we do. Uh, worship is primarily not for us, but for God. Worship is participatory because everyone brings something. Everyone plays a part. That's not just a spectator sport. We need everyone's voices and lives. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we differ over worship or anything else, we must submit, to our, uh, submit ourselves to one another because a posture of humility goes hand in hand with a life of worship. Everyone gets to play. So as we learn to walk more closely with God in worship, may we give Him all the honor and thanks that are due to Him. May we walk closer in step with the Spirit. May we participate in God's mission to redeem the world. One life, one smile, one hand at a time. Amen.